You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi. This is podcast episode number 1,505. Are you looking to improve your financial performance? Who's not? Increase your operating and financial results, of course. How about building a stronger, cohesive management team? Uh, I believe Andrew Rush is here to tell us about that, and so I'm excited to have him come and present more details. Andrew, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Uh, Maybe we could get started by asking you to tell us a little bit about your firm. What makes it unique from other firms in your space? Really from the perspective of the minds of your prospects and your clients, Andrew? Sure. Well, I'll start with my tagline, results, not reports. When we engage with clients, we commit to making some metrics better by a specific amount by the time an engagement is over. When we do that, we work with managers, giving them better tools, coaching them on how to use those tools, in order to get our success. Secondly, I would say that all of the work that we do is on site with our clients. We win with them, we lose with them, we feel the ups and downs, and and that's a significant differentiator for us. And lastly, 94% of our clients refer us to others for business, which I think is a, a pretty telling tale of the success that we've had over 25 years. What do you mean by 94%? Can you explain that? Yeah. So uh, 94 out of every 100 clients that we work with will pick up the phone and call people in their network, um, will ask us to come back and do more work for them. In some way, shape, or form, they're willing to uh, endorse us to do more of the work that we do with others. So, so that leads me to my second question here on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Where do you focus? What is your niche? What is your kind of unique space with which you you and your firm kind of focus? We focus on the mid-market, but we are industry agnostic. We've dealt with almost uh, clients in almost every industry. But what we're looking for are leaders who are open-minded to the idea that asking for help from a third party isn't a weakness and can actually move their business forward uh, better than they might be able to on their own. How does that present itself in the marketplace? Like that That's a hard thing to do uh, to buy a list <laughs> against, right? You know what? It's, it is a hard thing. And one of the things that we have started to focus much more effort on doing and what I do a lot of is speaking to peer groups like um, like the ones that you lead, in order to get in front of audiences who are already allowing their peers to give them feedback on either their own ability as a leader or how uh, they might improve their company. And, and we're finding that to be very successful. Okay, so you're, you're fishing where the... The, the fish are that you're looking for. And certainly in peer groups, people are open and they're seeking outside feedback and input. And that makes a, a natural 
uh, opportunity for you. I want to back up, though. When you get an engagement from a middle market company, what exactly, where are you focusing your energies to help them? Every client is unique. Some some manufacturing companies may choose for us to engage in helping their sales force be more effective. Some want the operation to be more effective. Some want their customer service level to increase. Sometimes it's all of those things at once. It really depends on the client and where they feel their biggest challenges are and where they think they're going to be able to make the most gains. Do, do you ever find when you get an engagement that where they think they need their help, when you are able to do an assessment, you find other areas that actually might be more appropriate to get started with or to work on? The number is greater than zero, <laughs> absolutely. But <laughs> okay. if I was going to ballpark, I'd say 20% of the time okay. that's probably the case. And my assumption, Andrew, is that since they're open-minded people, they're open to the suggestion that maybe there's more gain to be gotten in another area of the firm? Absolutely. And sometimes it might be that the area that we're focusing on is the right area, but the ideas that a business owner has about uh, the priorities or which are the um, the biggest problems to solve, that often gets, I'll say, re-evaluated and, and a new plan gets put in place because some things are deemed to now be more important after we get in and get a chance to look under the hood, so to speak. So I picked up in your answer an accent. Maybe others in my audience heard it as well. Can, can you give us a sense for why you might have an accent? I am a Canadian. Ah. So I think I think you have, have an accent, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that comeback. After I said it, I thought, wow, that's pretty, you know. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Okay. So how come, can you tell me why my accent is different than yours? Do you service in Can? I know you service in Canada and the States as well. We do, yeah. I'm from Toronto okay. and grew up about two hours northeast of there. So there's a little bit of small town twang probably in there as well. Okay. But you're, uh, I know that you're doing engagements across the United States in addition to across the great country of Canada. So, sorry, yes. About more than half our work right now is based in the U.S. Okay. Okay, so um, I'd like to ask if it's appropriate, uh, you tell me uh, this kind of optional insights, you know, about failure or at least something that you had planned to go a certain way. You know, was there, was there a time when you um, had something important to do and the outcome um, was a failure on your part or on part of the project or the, it didn't turn out well? And what did you, what was it and what did you do about it? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll, I'll tell you. I was a consultant for the first part of my career and then actually left Carpedia and have since come back. And the first role that I had after being a consultant was as a VP of operations in a building materials company. And I'm, I'm a, a fan of accountability and had been all of my consulting career. But I knew that going into an organization, you know, that, that increased level um, is is going to have to be, um, how would I say it? You're going to have to gain the trust of the people before you can jump right in. Right. And and I probably I did take my foot off the gas too much. I the idea that 
I'll just delegate, you know, I'll set the strategy and let them do the implementation and sit by the wayside and let them fail on their own, which I think is good, but but the pendulum in my case swung too far. And one of the plants I was responsible for ended up failing and eventually I had to get involved. And I knew early on I needed to, but I was struggling between that balance of delegating and micromanaging. Mm-hmm. So you were an actual operator for a while, not just a high-paid consultant who came in and told people what they needed to do to improve. You actually owned the improvement process too, huh? I, I did for 16 years, and I hired Carpedia three times to help me oh, okay. over that time frame. All right. Yeah. So that's how you made the connection? Is that, is that's that, right. Okay. Yeah. And you like the company's work so much, you went, you went to work for them yourself? That's right. All right. So my latest book, Killing Cats, Leads to Rats, is about the unintended consequences of strategic decisions. Don't know if you have a strategic decision that was made where you had a radically different outcome and maybe it was an unintended consequence, either positive or negative. If you do, could you share one mm-hmm. with us, Andrew? Right. Sure. So, so I thought I had learned from that first experience and then for, fast forward the clock maybe five years into another role. I went into a company that in some ways was successful despite itself. And I had been in so many companies and seen really good ones in a matter of three or four years become obsolete Mm. that, that my strategy was to create a burning platform, try to create a sense of urgency in a group that was used to winning and didn't see that there was a better way of doing it things. And, and in the process of doing that, I almost got our plan unionized. (laughs) 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 So it's not a proud story, but it's a true one. Um, you know, and if I had really, like I said, in the first part, if, if I had gained people's trust, listened more rather than tried to instill a sense of urgency from the get go, uh, I, I probably wouldn't have ended up in that predicament. It's interesting because um, throughout this interview, I've heard that word trust from you, and, and I, um, I am convinced it is the foundation from which every great organization performs and performs admirably. And without it, it may not be obvious that that is the root cause, but it is all too often the root cause of dysfunction and lack of consistent performance, the trust within the organization. And it is such the responsibility of the leaders of a company to ensure they have trust-based relationships across all dimensions of their company. Well, how do you feel about that? I agree 100%. And to take it one step further, it, 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 business leaders, if, if you know they were in the room and asked to agree with that statement, I'm sure would. But it's the conscious... You know, what am I going to do to create trust? You know, it, it has to be a plan. It has to have actions. It's It can't just be, oh, yeah, of course I've got to create trust. I'm going to go and talk to that person. I don't know. You know, this is a much deeper-rooted, involved process in order to, to get that ability to trust people that you're working with. I lead, in, as you know, peer groups here with Renaissance Executive Forums in Southern California, and we have many a discussion on trust because it has been my observation that uh, a leader can lose the trust of their employees and really not even realize it because they mask it from that person 
it's not in their best interest to demonstrate a lack of trust of the boss, but uh, others can see it and and once it takes root, it needs to be it needs to be the responsibility of the leader to figure out did my actions break your trust? Did something I say or do in a way because leaders are oversampled. Um, the people that work in a company, especially mid-market companies, they sort of know what's going on with the top executives because they, they're familiar. They see them. They know when they're in the office, when they're not in the office, when they're on vacation, when they're traveling for business. So um, sometimes they get mixed messages from what the leader says and what the leader does. And holding themselves, you use the term accountable and accountability. I think that starts with the leader being accountable to themselves and to their employees. If they want to bring a culture of accountability, they too must be very accountable for their commitments. Absolutely. Without yeah. without that it's hard to hold the organization accountable if you're not no. if they don't view you as accountable, right? No, no, exactly. And and when I think about that, I think about the concept of humility that that leaders you know, in order to gain trust, you're going to have to let your guard down with people. And, you know, by often when I talk about that in my presentations, get people rolling their eyes and thinking they have to hug and cry. <laughs> it's not about that. It's it's taking a personal interest in other people's well-being and committing to make the time to do it. Right. And, you know, that that just seems like normal human behavior, but in business, for some reason, uh, it's it's not. But it with a lack of that um, can really create a, a, a negative culture. And you're right. The leader's often the last one to find out that, uh, that that trust has been broken. And sometimes the consequences, like in my case, can be quite severe. Yes, they can be quite severe. And um, I've got a couple more questions for you. Um, what's the core philosophy that you're using to kind of help shape the culture of your firm? I call it the guiding our principle. Philosophy, yeah, our philosophy is that if we are going to be successful at making managers better leaders then we as an organization have to always be learning. Mm. There are you know, new ways of making people more effective. There are new things that we're trying out all the time. And we, you know, we, despite the fact that we have a fairly, I would say a very good track record of success, it is no predictor that we are gonna have that track record for going forward. And we talk about that all the time. How, what are we doing? How are we learning to make ourselves and our organization better? If I have you back in the future, and I plan on doing that in a couple of years or whatever, what's going to be different for you and Carpedia on the next mm -hmm. time you're on the show? In, in, yeah, we our, our goal is to be North America's preeminent leader in making managers more effective. And... and we want to, A, be successful at doing, but also spread the word to a much broader audience than we have so far in telling that story. So when we have you back, Andrew Rush will have to tell us how the, you and the firm are doing against that objective. I want to thank you for being a friend of the program, a part of the expanding critical mass community. Wish you continued success, my friend, and thanks again for your time here on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Also, I want to thank our engineer, none other than Mr. Paul Roberts, and our three producers without whom I could not do this show each week. They are Haley Stern, Joan Park, 
and Crystal Nunley. I would ask if you'd like to connect with me, let's do it on LinkedIn. I'm Richard Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. And until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 